All right, <clears throat> we're going in a slightly different direction this evening. And so if you could grab your Bible and turn to Judges chapter number 8. Judges chapter number 8. We won't be looking at Esther this evening. Easter. <laughs> we won't be looking at Easter or Esther. Um, but <laughs> uh, Judges chapter number 8. <clears throat> uh, this past week, of course, we had our vacation Bible school. And for those of you who aren't able to make it, um, during VBS, well, the, the theme was Mission Possible. And so as Christians, God has given us a mission, and through Jesus Christ, that mission is possible. That mission, of course, is to share the message of the gospel, to, to preach that to um, all people. And so we looked at a few different examples of individuals who had to live by faith um, in God and uh, as they carried out God's mission that he gave to them. One of those individuals that we looked at was Gideon and uh, his 300 men. Gideon uh, faced fear in, in, uh, in the face of the enemy, the Midianites, and he could have allowed that fear to control him. He could have allowed that fear to keep him from doing what God had commanded him to do as judge. But Gideon put his faith in God and in the promise that God gave to Israel that he would deliver them from their enemies. And because Gideon had faith in God uh, and he did not listen to the fear that he was tempted with, God gave him a great victory. And so tonight I want to go over um, in, a, in a little bit more detail um, Gideon and his 300 men, except we're not going to look at the account uh, where he so much where he narrows down the 300 men, but I want us to learn some lessons uh, right after that. In Judges chapter number 8, <clears throat> it's the same battle that has taken place, uh, but we're going to look at Judges chapter number 8 in the first five verses. The Bible says this, And the men of Ephraim said unto him, that's Gideon, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest us, callest us not, when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over, he and the 300 men that were with him, faint yet pursuing them. And so I want to look at that phrase there, faint yet pursuing. Uh, but let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get into the message this evening. Dear God, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Again, I thank you for this um, night that we have, Lord, to look at your word. God, I just thank you for your goodness to us as a church and uh, just how you blessed VBS this past week and all, all of the kids that were able to see come out and the new uh, children. Lord, I just ask that you would continue to do work in their hearts and just thank you for the help that we had this week. God, I just ask that you would be with us now as we take a few moments to look at your word this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to set aside any distracting thoughts. And God, I ask that you would use me, Lord, to speak to uh, hearts as only you can. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and Help me to be emptied of self. God, I pray that you would do a work this evening. And uh, I just thank you for, uh, for your salvation and uh, your goodness to us. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Before we get into the, the main uh, message, I want to just cover some of the context of what's going on uh, here in this passage. Of course, we're in the time of the judges in Israel. And if you know the book of Judges and Israel's history... 
this was a time when they were ruled by judges. They didn't have any kings yet. Moses and Joshua are off the scene. They have died and, and gone away, and so they're no longer around. And somebody has to lead the nation of Israel, and uh, it's left to the different judges that come, uh, that come up. But this is also a time in Israel's history where they wander away from God time after time after time after time. And the Bible says in Judges chapter 17, verse number 6, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so that verse there sums up the attitude of the people of Israel during most of the time of the judges. And you read the book of Judges and you see some very uh, horrific and nasty things that take place. And that's because the people in Israel were living according to their own desires and whatever they wanted to do. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And when we do what's right in our own eyes, what we think is right, what we think is good, it's often contrary to what God would have us to do and the way that God would have us to live. And so we need to be careful that we don't have this same mindset of the Israelites of, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and I don't care what God thinks or what anybody else thinks. That's not an attitude of a Christian. Our attitude ought to be, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do with my life? Where would you have me to go? What would you have me to say to this person? Instead of uh, just saying what and doing and thinking what we think is good and right. Uh, and so that, there's a cycle that occurs throughout the book of Judges uh, concerning Israel. They, uh, the, the Israelites, they become discontent in their position. And they begin to complain about God and how God has forgotten them and God has been unfaithful to them. And in their murmuring, God sends them an enemy to attack them, to harass them, to, uh, to, to enslave them, and God uses those enemies to get their attention, to get them to repent, to, to turn back to Him. And, and sure enough, Israel, they become oppressed, and they start to cry out to God and ask for help, and God in His great mercy sends them judges to deliver them from their enemies. And, and God rescues them, and God shows them mercy, and for a time they seem to to get right with God and to do what God wants them to do, but then the cycle repeats and it happens again. Um, by the way, aren't you thankful that we serve a God who's merciful? We fail God time and time again, oftentimes in the same thing, the same temptation, the same sin, and we find ourselves saying, I'm not going to do it again. I'm, I'm not going to fail you again, God, in this area, but we run right back to it. But God is always there, and we can always run back to God, and He never leaves us. He never forsakes us, and He's always willing to forgive us. And I'm thankful we have a God who is always ready to forgive us. He is faithful and just to forgive us, the Bible says. And so, God would send them a judge, and he would deliver them, and they would be at peace for a while. One of those judges, of course, is Gideon. Uh, and uh, Gideon, he was a nobody in Israel. Um, he was just a, a lowly farmer. And uh, so not much is known about Gideon. There's nothing extraordinary about him from a human perspective. But if you were here the first night of VBS... Um, and you had, if you saw my faith classes that I put on, uh, and God saw somebody in Gideon who could do something great for him. Uh, you know, if you would have seen Gideon, you wouldn't have thought much about him. He was just like everybody else. But God saw somebody who was going to do something miraculous. Uh, and we see that in Judges chapter 6, verse number 12. The Bible says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, that's Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, 
thou mighty man of valor. God looked at Gideon, and God saw a mighty man of valor. But what do we see when we first read about Gideon? We see somebody who is threshing wheat by the winepress. He is hiding from the Midianites. He was afraid. He was fearful of the Midianites. And we wouldn't look at that and say, wow, what a man of valor who's hiding, who is afraid of the Midianites. We would say, uh, he's, he's cowardly, he's hiding. But God saw a man of valor. God often sees past uh, our flaws, our sins, and he sees the potential that we have when we put our faith in God and when we trust him and his plan and his will. And so that's a lesson we learned from the life of Gideon, is we might think we're nothing, we might think we're not special, we might think somebody else is not special, that God can't use that other person, but God sees uh, potential when we put our faith and trust in Him, in His will, in His way. So God called Gideon a mighty man of valor. He saw that Gideon would be courageous, very courageous. I don't know that I could be in a band of 300 men and go up against 137,000 other soldiers with just a pitcher and a torch uh, and a trumpet. But Gideon did that. And Gideon had faith in God. And so we know the story of, of Gideon. Gideon, God calls Gideon to lead Israel as a judge. Gideon gathers his soldiers, 32,000 of them. They show up to help Gideon fight the Midianites. But God tells Gideon something that I'm sure uh, Gideon didn't understand. God told Gideon, you've got too many men with you. You need to get rid of them. And if you're leading an army against 137,000, I'm sure you'd want as many soldiers and as many tools, as, as many weapons as you could. You'd, you'd try to find every tank you could, every machine gun you could, uh, whatever you could find to help you win this battle. But God tells him to get rid of some of his men, actually quite a bit of them. And so God, uh, Gideon listens to God and Gideon, of course, he narrows uh, down the list according to God's plan. At first, he talks to his 32,000 men and says, if any of you are afraid, if any of you are fearful and don't want to be here, go ahead and go home. And uh, 20, uh, uh, 22,000 of them leave. Now, if you're leading 32,000 men and 22,000 of them leave because they're afraid, how are you going to react? How are you going to respond? You're going to be uh, a little shocked. You're going to be a little upset. You're going to be a little frustrated. You're going to be a little worried because you've lost uh, a bunch of your soldiers. And so he's left with 10,000 men in his army. And God tells him, it's still too many. It's still too many soldiers to fight this battle. And so I want you to have them go drink water. And, of course, we know that the ones that got down on their knees and started drinking like a dog, they were to leave. Uh, they were not to be in his army because they showed that they were careless. They weren't on the lookout for the enemy. They were focused on, on the water. They weren't prepared at a moment's notice to fight an enemy. And so 9,700 men leave Gideon. And he's left, of course, with his 300 soldiers uh, that God uh, uses with Gideon. And then God instructs them on the weapons that they would use. God tells them, I want you to grab all of the swords, uh, all of the spears, all of the chariots. No, God doesn't tell Gideon that. He says, grab some pitchers, uh, torches, and a trumpet, and uh, surround the enemy at night. And, of course, they do that. They, they surround this army at night, the 137,000 soldiers, and uh, they, break the trump, or they break the pitchers, they blow the trumpets, and they shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And God causes a great uh, ruckus in the camp, and the Midianites defeat themselves. They 
Uh, we would call that friendly fire. Many of them uh, are killed in, in this. 120,000 of them are killed in this instance. And so there's 15,000 of the Midianites that escape. And uh, along with two of their kings, and they go over the Jordan River, trying to escape from Gideon and his 300 men. And that's where we find them in, this, in the passage that we just read. These 300 men are faint, and yet they're pursuing these 15,000 men that are still left. The job's not done. The job's not finished. They could have, they could have uh, left and gone home right then. After those 120,000 uh, men killed each other, they could have said, well, that was really great. Uh, that's all we have to do. Let's pack up our bags and go home. But no, that's not what they did. They pursued after the 15,000 men until the job was finished. And so we see that in verse 4. Uh, they pursued after them. They were faint, yet pursuing them. They were, I'm sure they were tired. They were exhausted. They put in their time. They did more than anybody else. In this army, they did more than the 22,000 that left and the 9,700 that drank the water uh, on their knees. And, and so I'm sure they were, we know they were exhausted and they were tired, and yet they continued to pursue the enemy. And so the lesson for us is we, we know that spiritually, as Christians, we are in a battle in our daily lives. There are times when we get exhausted. We get tired as we serve the Lord. We get tired as we try to live for Him. We get tired as we live in this world and we go through the trials that we go through and we face the ridicule that we face and we uh, go through the struggles that, that we go through and the financial hardships that we go through. There's a spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. We often find ourselves faint. We find ourselves tired. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with being exhausted. There's nothing wrong with being tired. There's nothing wrong with being faint. The problem wasn't that they were faint. They had just got done doing what God commanded them to do. The trouble comes when we give up. When we allow the faint, when we allow the exhaustion to cause us to throw in the towel on God and say, I'm done following you. I'm done living by faith. That's not what God wants for us to do. What if Gideon did that? What if Gideon threw in the towel? Um, be, be, when the, the 22,000 men left, he wouldn't have seen that great miracle. If Gideon had quit after the, the 120,000 killed themselves in, that, in, in their camp, uh, he wouldn't have finished and seen God uh, deliver them fully from the Midianites. But Gideon continued, and his 300 men continued, and they didn't, they didn't uh, give up. So it's, it's not... It's not wrong or bad to be exhausted or weary or tired as you serve and live for the Lord. That's not what I'm talking, I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we're tempted to say, I just don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to serve you in this ministry anymore. I don't feel like praying for that family member anymore. I don't feel like praying for this trial anymore. Uh, I, I don't feel like reading my Bible anymore, God. I don't feel like trusting you anymore. That's a temptation from the devil, and he wants us to quit, to throw in the towel. He wants us to quit pursuing God when we're faint, when we're exhausted, and when we're tired. And so tonight, um, I want us to look at this idea of faint yet pursuing. There are three things that I want to look at that can cause us to faint and quit, uh, that can cause us to be exhausted. And we need to be aware of these so that we don't Give up and throw in the towel. Don't quit pursuing. Don't quit fighting. Don't quit living the Christian life. So first, of course, is our enemy. Our enemy. 
We need to understand that we're in a spiritual battle. Some people, I think a lot of Christians don't really understand that our life is a very real spiritual battle with very real enemies that seek to destroy us and, and, give a, and cause us to quit following the Lord and trusting in Him. And that enemy, of course, is Satan. From the very beginning, he sought to lead uh, uh, individuals away from the Lord and away from trusting God and following Him. 1 Peter 5.8 warns us of this enemy, the devil. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I'm afraid too many times we live our life and we don't understand that the devil is seeking after us and he's pursuing us and he wants to attack us. And we live carelessly. The devil wants to see us destroyed spiritually. Have there ever been times in your life when it feels like the devil is constantly attacking you and he, it seems like he won't give up and he won't stop? Well, uh, he's not going to quit. He's not going to stop. He is persistent. And so we need to be persistent. Not in our own strength, though. We need to be persistent in the faith that we have a God who is stronger than we are and who is, who is greater than we are. And we can trust Him for that deliverance from that enemy. Satan will tempt us. He who throws those fiery darts at us, tempting us to quit and to give up on God and to not trust in Him anymore. But can I tell you something? You're not the only one. You might feel like, uh, the world's against you. You're not the only one who feels that way or has gone through trials or hardships. You're not the only one that the devil attacks. You have fellow believers in this room that are there to encourage you and help you along that path that God has for you. And so uh, we can also be reminded, though, that uh, God will not allow us to be tempted above that we are able, the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. It says, but God is faithful. We're often not faithful to God. But God is faithful to us. And so when we're fearful, when we want to quit, when we want to throw in the towel, just remember that even though we might feel unfaithful at times, God is faithful to, to love you. God is faithful to protect you and, and to help you and to provide for you and, and to, to care for you. And so we need to lean on His faithfulness, not our own faithfulness in those times. <clears throat> the Bible also gives us a way to see that enemy defeated, Satan. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you feel faint because the enemy is on attack, don't quit, don't give up. You have the ability to resist the devil through Christ. You don't have to be defeated by him. Uh, submit to God and he will flee from you. Uh, if you would just trust the Lord. By the way, if there is never a time in your life when you feel like you're spiritually under attack, it might be because Satan's not that worried about you. And so ask yourself, are you doing anything for God? Do you trust God? Are you even concerned about living for the Lord? Uh, the devil attacks those who do things for God and who are serving him and who trust him. Uh, and so the devil knows. Uh, he, knows your, he knows your flesh. He knows what you're tempted by. But we have a God who can deliver us from our enemies. Um, and so we have that enemy. Number two, our critics. Our critics uh, can make us exhausted and weary and faint. 
in this account, Gideon and his 300 men, they're joined by some other tribes uh, in Israel to help fight. But after the 120,000 are killed, we see the Ephraimites in verse 1 of chapter 8. Uh, they come up to him and they say, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest us not, when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. They were critical of Gideon because they didn't carry out the fight like they thought it should have gone. But Gideon wasn't listening to them. Gideon was listening to God. But they had their opinions. They had their thoughts. They had their ideas. Gideon, you should have brought us along, and we could have helped you out. Uh, but that was not God's plan. God wanted the 300. Uh, but the Ephraimites, they thought it would have been better with more. Uh, in, in life, in ministry, there are always going to be critics who think they can do things better than the way that you know that God wants you to do something. Uh, and so... You know what the, the critic usually does, though? The, the critic he's all, is almost always the backseat driver. The critic is almost always the sideline coach, the armchair quarterback. The critic knows in his mind how everything should go, but they're not on the, they're not on the battlefield. They're not actually doing anything. Uh, the, the problem is the critic is never in action. The critic can philosophize all day long about how you can do this and this, and everything will be okay, but they're never doing it themselves. There's a quote uh, by Theodore Roosevelt. Actually, Sarah has this on her dresser. Um, it says this, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat? Jesus himself was reviled. He was criticized. He was mocked, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Sometimes we become faint because of the critics, because of those who continually point out what we're doing wrong and how we should do it better. But we look and say, they're not doing anything. Don't listen to the critics. Listen to God. Continue to follow him. Continue to trust him and know that in the end it will be worth it because you served him and not the, the critic. It doesn't matter what the critics say. We need to make sure that we're doing what God has called us to do. Listening to the critics will make you faint and make you give up. Listen to the Lord. Number three, and finally, malnutrition. Malnutrition will make you give up. Look at Judges chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. <clears throat> And the princes of Sukkoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thine army? And Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into mine hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And he went up thence to Penuel and spake unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Sukkoth had answered him. 
They had spent all night running and chasing the enemy and fighting the enemy. And Gideon and his 300 men, they're tired, they're hungry. And so they come to uh, the men of this city and they ask them for something simple. We just need bread so that our men can be revived, so that they can have their energy restored to continue this fight, by the way, for them. They were fighting for that city. Uh, but they, they said, are, are the men, are, are they in your hands? Uh, is the king in your hands? Well, no, he's not. So we're not going to give you bread. And so Gideon and his 300 men leave and they go to the next city and they hear the same response. You, you haven't won. The enemy is still alive and well. So why should we give you bread? What have you done for us? And so they continue on. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. They're still hungry. They're still tired, but they still continue to fight. And uh, by the way, it didn't turn out very well for them. You can read that later. Gideon comes back. Uh, and so Gideon and his men, they're tired and they're hungry, very literally. And spiritually, we can become faint when we're malnourished. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And where was that written? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 3. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. The Bible says in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God. Of hosts. Jesus made it clear we do not live by physical bread alone. As believers, we live by the Word of God. When we try to serve God, when we try to live for God without the Word of God, without God, we find ourselves malnourished. We find ourselves weak when battles come. And we find ourselves faint and tempted to throw in the towel and quit. When trials come in your life, you will throw in the towel and quit if you are malnourished and not rooted in the Word of God. When you get exhausted serving in ministry, in whatever ministry that you serve in, if you're not in the Word of God, reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, applying the Word of God for yourself, if you're not doing that, and trials come and the devil attacks, you're going to find yourself wanting to throw in the towel and quit because you have not been fed. You have not been strengthened by your spiritual bread. You need spiritual bread in your life. You need the Word of God. When that family member is harassing you about, uh, why would you trust God? Why would you live for God? Why do you talk about God? Uh, if you're not rooted in the Word of God, and, and you're not trusting in Him and living it out, and they continue to attack day after day, week after week, month after month, you're going to find yourself wanting to quit and throw in the towel because you're not nourished in the Word of God. Make sure that you're getting the nourishment that you need for your spiritual battles. We won't go a day without missing a meal. If I miss, uh, if I miss a meal, I know it. My stomach starts to grumble. <laughs> we want food. We, we love food. We enjoy our food. We know if we miss a meal physically. But how often do we go day after day and then we look back and say, huh, I have not read my Bible this week. I have not spent time in God's Word. We're so careless with it. Uh, and I'm just as guilty as this as anybody, we all find ourselves in this place where we neglect our spiritual nourishment and we wonder why we, why we quit, why we sin, why, we don't, why we're not faithful and obedient as we ought to be. It's because we haven't been nourished in the Word of God. 
Are you faint tonight? Have you grown weary in serving the Lord and living for Him? Uh, have you found yourself wanting to quit and give up? Uh, being faint is okay. It's okay to be exhausted. Uh, that's why we have uh, a Heavenly Father that we can run to for rest. Uh, we have a Holy Spirit who gives us rest. We have the Word of God where we can find rest. We have a church family where we can find rest uh, in those times of spiritual uh, weariness. Don't quit. Don't give up on God. Keep pursuing even though you're faint. Not in your own strength, but again, trusting in the promise of God. This wasn't Gideon trusting in his own strength. This was Gideon trusting in God's promise to deliver them and give them a victory. And because Gideon trusted in God's promise, he saw it through to the end. And when we trust in God's promises, and when our faith is in His promises to us, not in our own ability and strength, when we're trusting in God for our life, for our day-to-day -day life, we can see it through to the end because we're, we're trusting in the Lord's strength and not our own. Renew yourself in prayer. Renew yourself in God's Word. The Bible says, and we all have all heard this verse, Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Are you drawing your strength from the Lord this evening? Are you trusting in Him? Are you getting your nourishment from the Word of God? Or are you just trying to trudge through the Christian life in your own strength and without the Lord, without faith in Him, listening to the critics, uh, and, not, uh, and not following God as you ought to? Uh, that's a very dangerous place to be. But you have a Lord who loves you and who wants to strengthen you. Don't quit pursuing the Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this evening that you've given us. I thank you for your word.